Thank you, guys. So good to hear another Northern Irish voice. Come on, Becca. I understand you if nobody else does. <laughs> Great to have Becca on team. God's giving us some amazing people at the minute. And um, you're all amazing, by the way. I'm not saying that you're not, and she is, you know. But there we go. There we go. So today we are starting um, a six-part series called Kingdom, His Rule, His Reign. And um, it's going to run over, as I say, six weeks. The high point of that is Easter Sunday, where Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the ultimate declaration of his kingdom, that he has conquered anything and everything that could conquer us. There is nothing that you can be hopeless about because Jesus has conquered death. Death itself has been conquered by Jesus. That is good news. That is good news. He is the king. The reason we've hyphened it and said kingdom is because that word comes from the domain of the king, the dominion of the king. And if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room this morning, then you have entered into the dominion of King Jesus. And his rule and his reign is not something that you need to be scared of. He's not seated on some distant throne watching carefully for when you make a mistake. He's seated in glory with his arms wrapped around you saying, welcome to my dominion, welcome to my kingdom, welcome to all that I have won for you, welcome to the inheritance that is yours because of my resurrection. His power, his dominion is for us, all around us. It spilled out on the streets of Bishop Stortford yesterday and we saw God do these incredible things which all of those incredible things for us are business as usual in the kingdom of God. Because we saw people who walked into the tent, as you heard earlier, walked in feeling broken, feeling full of hurt, full of pain. And we saw those same people walk out. We saw healings, physical healings. We saw this one young lady be led through, ask the question, do you want to give your life to Jesus. Do you want to walk with him? And she said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And this is, the, this is the extension of his rule and his reign and his dominion into our time. It's what he wants to do. He's not interested in, as I say, some distant presence that we're vaguely aware of. He wants to bring transformation to towns, to cities, to nations. I was reminded this week that right now in Iran, in Iran, the church of the kingdom of God is exploding, being led by ex-prostitutes and drug lords. They've never been to Bible college. They've got no qualification to their name. But the king is ruling through his people and expanding his kingdom. It's what he does. It's happening in China. It's happening in Africa. It's happening here in Bishop Stortford. It's, it's all over the place because King Jesus expresses his nature consistently everywhere his people go. Everywhere that his people go. He has promised us that wherever you set the sole of your foot, I have given you that land. It belongs to you 
as you represent him, as you carry his presence, as you carry his presence. So dominion, rule, and reign is not just a massive geographical kind of intangible. It's for every individual. As we touched individual lives yesterday on the streets of Bishop Stortford, as people met with the love of God in this room as they came in for Crafty Easter. I was going to say Crafty Christmas. Crafty Easter. They met with, personally, the power of the love of God. This is his kingdom. And it's for you. And this picture of the eagle from Psalm 103 is personal to many of us in the room this morning. As his kingdom wants to come and restore our youth like the eagles. He wants to breathe his life back into our weary bodies again. So I'll tell you what, if you have a body, stand up. That'd be great. Just for a second. Because, as I say, the kingdom of God is not just in word. It's not just a concept that's impersonal. It's very personal. So if you recognize yourself that you need that refreshing of the Lord, this picture of the eagle and the strength that the Lord wants to bring to you, if you're downcast, if you've been beaten down by this world, just pop your hand on your heart. If you're carrying anxiety or fear or concern about what this world is going to throw at you in this coming week, just put your hand on your heart. If there's something in your body that is not operating or functioning as the Lord designed it to be, put your hand on that part of your own body. Because his kingdom wants to touch your body where you are right now. And as we learned a few weeks ago, the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray. Kingdom of God, come. Kingdom of God, come right now. Kingdom of God, come in this room where people are crying out for you to touch their lives, to bring restoration, to bring transformation, to bring healing, to, to restore what the enemy has stolen from them. Kingdom of God, come. Right now. Eyesight issues around the room. Someone just reminded me this morning of, of how Jesus restored that man who came to him. He could not see anything. Put your hand, put your fingers on your eyes if that's you. Kingdom of God, come. Come. Jesus had to pray twice for that one. Jesus had to pray twice for that one. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done amongst your people. Amongst your people. I just breathe him in. Breathe in the atmosphere of the king of kings and his dominion, which is not set against you. It is set for you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Do more than often we dare ask or imagine. You are the mighty God. It's your kingdom we want. Thank you, Jesus. If you're recognizing his presence, just, just wave your hand in the air. If you're recognizing his peace, yes. If you're recognizing something happening in your body, just wave your hand. There's a load of hands waving at me around the room. It's fantastic. Fantastic. 
Yeah, I said to that lady who had her thumb healed yesterday, you can sit down for a second, by the way. I said to that lady who had her thumb healed yesterday, I said, if you, is there anything going on? Because we didn't really know. And she goes, she could not move her thumb. She'd, had, she'd broken her wrist. She had a pin in her arm. She could not move her thumb. She said, I, I can't grab anything. I can't hold anything. I can't really do anything with this hand. And um, I think, was I with you, Alison, at that moment? I can't remember. And we said, well, what's happening now? And she went, oh, that's amazing. As the kingdom of God impacted her wrist. And she came in for prayer for her leg, by the way. <laughs> it's the kingdom of God operating through his people, touching this world around us. That is his desire. It's always, always, always been his desire. And I feel like in this season, his church is in a pivotal time. We're in this kind of new wineskin moment. Which What, what does that mean? Well, wineskins we're not very familiar with, but a wineskin in the old days was a skin. And as you filled it with wine, it took the shape of the skin. And it... A number of times I've heard prophetic voices amongst us speak about this new wineskin moment that the church of the living God is in, in these days, where he's doing a new thing amongst us. He began to get our attention, didn't he, through lockdown, and suddenly our routine was all knocked out of shape, and we, we couldn't just go about life as normal, and we were caused to stop and think. And all these books came out calling it was the reset, it was the divine reset, and yes, God Reset your church. Do, do your thing amongst us. Pour your spirit into a new wineskin so that we don't look the same. So that we're changed and transformed and more powerful. More ready to engage the world around us with his love outside of these four walls. In the early, um, in fact, it was in 2019, um, this book was written and released right at the end of 2019, and we picked it up just as we were going into lockdown. It's called Scattered Servants by um, Alan Scott, an incredible book, which if ever there was a book that was prophetically written for such a time as this, I honestly believe this book was, was one, of those, one of those incredible books. Oh, it's not up there. That's right. There we go. But... Um, yeah, a powerful word to God's church. And the, the, the thing that came through again and again, the little phrase that came through again and again was God's people, God, the, the church has left the building. The church has left the building. The church of, of our king is out there amongst the people of this world, rubbing up against them and changing their lives. Here's one of my favorite quotes from Alan's book. It says, the next great move of God is not going to be a movement in the church. It's going to be a movement of the church into society. Are you up for that? There was a good number of us were up for that yesterday, but are we up for that Monday to Friday, Saturday, on the sports field, in the classroom, wherever the Lord has placed you, he wants to move us all into society, impacting that world. Thirst Youth Cafe was overlooked. We were supposed to give you an announcement. Come on up, Dave. Thirst Youth Cafe is one of those incredible things that God has given us 
which is out there in the community. It is honestly the most exciting ministry that I see amongst us in these days. Now, I'm not saying that that means other things are less interesting, but thirst is on the cutting edge, impacting society, transforming young lives, transforming schools, touching the NHS, doing all kinds of stuff out there, day in, day out, bringing the love of God, bringing the kingdom of God on the front line. I hope I haven't stolen all that you were going to say, Dave. I'm done. Tell us about it. <laughs> Come on up here so everybody can see you. Brilliant. Tell us about it. Brilliant. Really did not want us to miss that um, because this is where the kingdom of God is hitting the road in our town and really transforming lives. It's, it's such a, an incredibly powerful thing. Okay. So I want to take us to a passage of Scripture that may not be the most obvious one that you think of, but I want, to, I want to use a passage in the book of Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophecy of Ezekiel, as a, as a pattern that the Lord is using to show his, his people how he wants to see his kingdom grow and expand and how we can be part of that. What are our expectations as we, his church, step out to bring his kingdom into this world around us, into our Monday to Friday, Saturday afternoon, wherever it may be. Because actually, you know what? There's 168 hours in the week. You might spend two of them here. If you come on time, there's a good chance you'll spend two of them here. <laughs> I wasn't really meant to be a dig. But there's 166 other hours of the week, and the kingdom of God expands through those 166, we gather so that we go, okay? So Ezekiel chapter 47 and the start of that chapter, Ezekiel is having a vision and he is seeing what he describes as a man, potentially an angel, but someone is taking him into this vision. And Ezekiel says this, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, just to say the temple in Israel in those days had been destroyed by the Babylonian empire. It was in ruins. And so this is a vision forward of what will be, and not only for his time, but for our time. He brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. You wouldn't necessarily immediately see it, but water signifies God's presence. And the fact that the water is flowing out of the temple is, first of all, really surprising. Because in the mindset of the Jewish people in that day, everything was about the temple. It's about getting into the temple. It's about only God's people get into the temple. We build barriers. We build walls to keep those who are not of God's people outside. We get inside. The inside is the important bit. But Ezekiel here starts to drip into the consciousness of the people of God. It's about the presence flowing out. And in the Old Testament scripture, the direction east signifies away from God. Back in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with God, when they fell, when sin entered the world, they exited the garden and traveled east. And so all through the Old Testament scripture, where you see anything ha happening moving in the easterly direction, it was, a, it was a signifier to the people of the day saying, this is moving away from God's holiness. 
So not only do we have the water of God's presence flowing out of this holy place where everybody's focus was, it was flowing away from that towards the chaos of the world, towards the darker places, those who are not following king, the king of kings. This is what God's speaking to us about. It's not about gathering. It's about flowing and going and taking what he has given us and giving it to those who do not yet know who are out there in chaos and lostness and brokenness. The next few verses. As the man went eastward, again, toward, um, with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Another thousand cubits, cubits knee deep. Another thousand up to the waist. Another thousand, a river that no one could cross. Now what is God saying there? He is saying, not only am I committed to my presence going out from the temple and reaching the world around me, but the further you go from that safe space, the deeper my commitment will be to bring my kingdom into broken situations. Am I surprised that we saw God heal yesterday? No. It was, a, it was one of those moments, kind of popped our eyes open like, wow, look at that. But God loves to meet broken people. I would even go so far as to say that God, this holy, perfect Lord, is drawn to the brokenness. His eye is not turned against those who are broken and who haven't got it all together. His heart burns for those whose lives are not all together. So can we expect him to move amongst us here when we gather on a Sunday morning? Absolutely, 100%. But can we expect him to move in our offices and in our homes tomorrow morning? Absolutely, even more so. He is even more dedicated to pouring his goodness into the brokenness that you work amongst. Is he committed to the Ukraine, to nations that are in uproar, to the brokenness that is in sub-Saharan Africa and to South America and to all. Yes, the further you go into the mess of this world, the, the power and the glory of our King is all the more ready to meet people in their brokenness. All the more ready. You ever wonder why sometimes we, we hear these testimonies of the, the greatest miracles seem to happen way over there? Well, our God's passionate heart beats for those who've never heard his name. Whew. We've heard his name so much in this country that it's a swear word. There are people out there who have never heard the name of Jesus. And his heart burns that they will be set free. That they will hear and respond and come into this flow of his spirit and his presence. So don't expect it all to happen in here. Expect it all to happen out there in your mess. That's where King Jesus loves to be. He loves to be in that place. He doesn't require you to have it all together. He wants to weave his arms in around your mess and your pain and say, I am God. I am king. Let my dominion be displayed here. My kingdom come here. And then this last bit, he said to me, this person that was guiding Ezekiel, this water flows towards the eastern region where it enters the Dead Sea. 
When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Now, I don't know about you, but have, if you've ever done a chemistry experiment where you take a little bit of you know, normal saline and you add it to pure water, or you, you take any solution and you add it to pure water, that pure water is contaminated by the solution, you know? Kind of obvious stuff. But what's happening here is that God's kingdom, as it, as it empties into the most lifeless environment that could be described by the people of Israel, the Dead Sea, where nothing lives, where the salt levels are so high that nothing can live in there. When the kingdom of God in all of its beauty and its perfection is emptied into that, that death does not pollute the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God brings life to what is dead. And as God's church, we need to realize we do not need to be afraid to take our beautiful, pure gospel and to take it into some of the darkest, most death-filled places on the earth. Gone are the days where we have to try to protect God's glory. His glory is perfectly capable of looking after itself. So much so that when we take his glory and we take it into a brothel or we take it into, you name it, wherever you would consider to be the most difficult, darkest, most, most death-filled environment, his kingdom brings life. And we need to be preparing our kids with a mindset that says, I don't have to protect myself so that I don't get stained by the world. It's a mindset that says, I am full of the King of Kings. I am going into the world with the expectation that his life is going to flow through me and take what is dead and make it live. Yes. This, is the, this is the shift in mindset. This is the reset. This is the, the, the reordering that God wants to do amongst his people. That we do not live in fear. And a little bit at the very end of this, it says, but the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. Where there is no flow, there is no life. And if all we do is we come here and we sit and we enjoy, there's no flow. Our king is committed to flowing with us as we walk out these doors, as we ourselves become the flow of his river out through the streets of Bishop Stortford and into our offices and down into London. I was sharing at the prayer meeting this morning. Somebody gave me a prophetic word about our town uh, a number of weeks ago. And they said, there is no, it is no coincidence that Bishop Stortford sits on the main artery of the M11 and the train line down to central London and the airport that feeds the world. God's desire is for what we carry to go and to impact the city and to impact the nation and to impact nations. Let's not be people who gather and don't go. Let's be people who gather so that we can go. We gather to remind ourselves of the glory of who he is and all that he has done for us so that we walk out of here and into Monday morning carrying his glory, carrying that confidence that when I reach out my hand, when I speak a word of life, the, the kingdom of God will come and lives will be transformed. 
lost my way, but that's all right. Come back to my friend Alan Scott, also Northern Irish. Some great things come out of Northern Ireland. (laughs) What he says is this, believers enter the divine life, steeping their hearts in God, and they carry this life into their culture. Believers don't do evangelism. Believers don't do evangelism. Do you hear that? It's not an activity. Believers bring life. What we did yesterday, you could call it evangelism, but actually what we did was we took a whole lot of the life of the kingdom of God out into our town and people caught it. People tasted and saw that God is good. So here we are. We're here today. We're gathered. We are steeping ourselves in the heart of God for us. Now, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to live? How are we going to express the kingdom of God? Because we have been pickled in him this morning. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and say, you look like a pickle. (laughs) Oh, I've lost the room. Okay, come back, come back. Oh, listen, just just a couple of quick things before we, we finish off this morning. Um, history lesson. You weren't expecting this this morning, but back in the late 1800s, there were some, particularly actually, there were German theologians who, who argued against some of the aspects of the truth of Scripture. And they, they, they made up these debates and they, they came against the truth of the gospel. And they said, oh, you can't trust the Bible. And Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. And they began to attack all of these different fundamentals of the Christian faith. And in response to that, theologians from other parts of the world said, no, 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 we absolutely refuse to listen to that. That is not the truth. We are going to re-emphasize the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And what that gave birth to was fundamentalism, okay? From fundamentalism came the evangelical church, the charismatic church, the the, um, Pentecostal church, which most of us have either experienced at some point in our lives or we're part of today. But the problem with our faith and the expression of our faith being based on fundamentalism is that it became very narrow, very narrow. Basically, this is the gospel that you and I have heard and that that we know. It's true. It's just not the whole truth. Because the gospel that we often present says there's a problem in the world. It's because of the fall. And it means that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are dead in sin. True statements. Further true statements. The solution that God has given is redemption in Jesus Christ through faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you believe and receive Jesus as your Lord, you will be alive in him. True statement. This is the gospel of salvation. But when you first present that in your workplace tomorrow morning or wherever you go, if your opening line is, my friend, Mike, you're dead in sin. Doesn't sound much like good news. Your your colleagues are not going to appreciate being told that really they're full of sin. That's not the full picture. The bits that were lopped off the, the front of this message and the back end of this message are really important. It's like nobody goes to the cinema and turns up half an hour late and then leaves half an hour early, watches the middle bit of the movie and goes, oh, that makes perfect sense. The perfect sense that has existed from 
you know, thousands of years from all of biblical history starts with this. Your origin is that you were made in God's image. This is where we started yesterday on the streets. As people walked into the tent, as we spoke with people on the street, we met them with the good news that said, Sam, Jesus loves you. You carry his image. You remind me of God. How? What? Suddenly people's mindsets are are awakened. Can you imagine starting a one-to-one or an annual appraisal with some of your staff and saying to them, Let me just say this to start with. You know I'm a Christian. It's a little bit crazy, I know, but you really remind me of God. Just want to thank you because you really have attributes of God. Did you know that? Let me tell you, you are so faithful. You are so creative. You love so well in this environment. You're such an encouragement to be around. Can you imagine starting your work day with conversations that speak into the image of God that your work colleagues carry. Because everybody does. Even the difficult ones. Guaranteed. There's some difficult ones here too. No. <laughs> but the start of the message of the kingdom of God is you carry the image of God. Now sin's got in the way. Let's mess that relationship up. Jesus has come to set all of that right again. And there's even more good news. That wasn't it. That's it. He has called you, not just so that you get a ticket to heaven when you die, but there is purpose for you in this life to bring restoration in your families, to bring restoration through the things that you give your your time to, so that together with Jesus, you get to renew all things. If we only give people the two middle lines. We are speaking to their brokenness, to their fallenness, and to their dysfunction. And that ain't good news. But if we speak the full message of the kingdom of God wherever we go, we are truly giving people good news. We're reminding them that they carry the image of their creator and that he has called them to eternal destiny and purpose that is not only It's not only good news after you're dead, it's good news now. It's good news now. This is the gospel of the kingdom that we're going to be exploring over these coming weeks. We're going to be celebrating Easter. We're then going to be looking into, okay, what does that mean for us? Because Jesus is king, because his kingdom is amongst us, what can we expect? Well, at least two things. God's people will hear God's voice and God's people will move in power. What happened yesterday on the streets of Bishop Stortford, salvations and healings and people's hearts being totally transformed by him is not for a select group of nutcases that get up early on a Saturday morning to go and do it. It's for all of us 24-7 every day of the week. But we carry this message. We carry the big message of the Father's heart that is so ready to wrap his arms around every single one of us, every single one of your work colleagues, every single one of your family members. He's given us this commission, and I simply want to finish off this morning, inviting us to step into that flow, because that is his design, to step into that commission together with him and to go to represent him wherever we go.
It doesn't have to be super fancy. As I say, it's, it starts with expressing the love that God has for every single human being who carries his image wherever you encounter them. These things are true about you. They're true about me if you follow Jesus. I'm God's royal child. He has commissioned me with authority. The same power that raised Christ from the dead flows through me 24-7. These are all scriptural truths. His kingdom within me impacts the world around me. I bring his life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Wherever you put the the sole of your foot, he has given you that land. I just want to invite us to stand one more time. And you've got a lot of exercise today, but let's stand up one last time. I'm going to read these one at a time. And if you, if you are saying in your heart, yes, I want to walk with my God, flow with my King, and see his kingdom come wherever I go, then just repeat them after me. We'll do them one at a time. Are we ready? Are we ready? All right. I am God's royal child. He has commissioned me with authority. authority. The same power that raised Christ from the dead flows through me 24-7. His kingdom within me impacts the world around me. I bring his life to everyone, everywhere, every day. day. Heavenly Father, we stand before you today knowing that you have given us not only a ticket to eternity, but you have given us purpose and destiny for this life to bring the impact of your kingdom wherever we go. We thank you, Jesus, that your heart explodes with love for the broken situations around us. And we are hungry, Lord God, to see your kingdom come and your will done everywhere we go. Lord, we we can't do this without you, but thank you, Lord. You do not ever expect us to do so. You have promised to give yourself to us that whenever we step out, You step in. You come alongside us. You give us all that we need to fulfill the mission that you have given your church. We bless you. Amen. Amen. Just a quick one. Take your seats for a second. Just a quick one because I'm very aware. In a room of this size, there may be people who are looking at this and hearing this and have observed the worship this morning and you're thinking, I don't get this. This this is not my experience. This is not within the, the bounds of what I have Um, taken on board. And if you do not yet know Jesus Christ as your Lord, if, if you recognize this morning that we're all talking about being in his kingdom and you're thinking, I'm not in his kingdom. I know I'm not in his kingdom. Then this is a day for you. This is a special day for you to step in, to get to know that king who died on a cross for you. He does not want any one of us to go into an eternity without him. Indeed, as somebody said recently, he stretched out his arms and he said, over my dead body, will you do that? His his love for you is eternal. 
And his desire is for you to have life to the full through faith in his son. So if, if that's you, come and grab me after the meeting. Um, and uh, I'd just love to today. But